Hello, and welcome to the Toddcast. Um, it is currently the Friday before the Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. Uh, for those of you who may be listening internationally, um, we have a holiday called Memorial Day, um, which basically gives us a three-day weekend. Um, it's intended to tie into, you know, honoring our veterans of wars and so forth. Um, and I am, you know, all down for that, uh, having been a former military person myself, even though it was in peacetime. Um, but let's face it, in reality here in the States, Memorial Day is a equivalent to just, hey, we get a three-day weekend and people have barbecues um, and various mattress stores and car dealerships will have sales. Um, and it kind of officially kicks off the beginning of, of summer here in the States. Um, so that's, that's the context under which I am recording, um, this afternoon on my, my ride home, um, for whatever that might be worth to you. Um, today's topic is something I've been pondering for a bit now, um, and originated from a, a listener request off of uh, Twitter. Um, so again, cheap plug, if you want to hit me on Twitter, it's at casttod, C-A-S-T-T-O-D, single D on Todd on that one. Um, and if you want to throw me some information or, or request a topic for me to chat about or ask a question or really anything, um, that's a good way to do it. Uh, I do monitor that. Um, and someone had done just, just that and had put forward a, uh, a conversational topic. Um, and if you were to go to Twitter and, and look, you know, at my feed and people talking to me there, you can see the specific request. Um, the problem here is that, um, in addition to that, um, I've had sort of side conversations going with this person. Uh, where they kind of said, hey, you know, I think it'd be cool if you talked about, you know, talked about this. And the uh, the context of the conversation, uh, as I remember it, and I could be completely wrong here, um, and I apologize, Mr. Casserole, if, if that is, uh, if I'm remembering this incorrectly. Uh, but as I recall from that conversation, the idea was, hey, Todd, I would like for you to, you know, pick an album and do a deep dive on that album. Um, you know, talk about, you know, who's on it and something about it. Uh, and the idea was that, you know, there are a lot of uh, resources online and, and in the world um, where people talk about music, uh, you know, songs, albums, artists, etc. Uh, and a lot of those are dominated by people who are sort of in the industry, um, you know, professional, you know, music critics or musicians or songwriters or, you know, something to where professionals in the field, if you will. Um, and his, his thought was, you know, it'd be neat to hear, you know, an amateur, a person who does not play an instrument or, you know, is engaged in the music industry in any form or fashion, kind of talk about, you know, an album sort of as a lay person. Um, and I thought that was a good idea. Um, and so I've actually spent a couple of weeks now thinking about, 
well, if I'm going to pick an album, what would that be? You know, um, people who know me or have heard me talk about music, you know, previously, uh, would expect me to talk about, you know, Led Zeppelin or, or Nine Inch Nails or, or perhaps Tori Amos, um, Black Sabbath, The Doors, like the things that, that I'm kind of known for enjoying. Um, and that's fair, and that's that that's 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 pretty legit. But you know, me being me, I can't let it be that simple. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to throw a little bit of a curveball and talk about something a little different. Um, and we'll speak more on that here in a moment. Um, but one of the problems that I've got here is that you know we had that conversation, and I've spent a couple of weeks thinking about it. And the other day, I, I went to, you know, actually report record the podcast for that. And I'm like, well, let me look, let me refer to the tweet um, and make sure that, you know, I'm not missing anything. And sure enough, what he actually tweeted me was pick an artist and do a 30-minute deep dive on them, which is not what I had mentally prepared for. Um, and so... Rather than have it be another two weeks before I say anything uh, on this topic, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you you know the 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 topic that I thought we were going to talk about um, that we kind of touched on briefly, um, and then I'll come back and and get you you know what you actually asked for on Twitter, being the deep dive you know on an artist in particular. Um, the other sort of conundrum with this particular request, uh, i.e. doing the deep dive on, on something, anything really, is that, um, as you likely know by this point, uh, you know, I do all my podcasting from my car while driving. Um, and anyone who's listened for any amount of time, uh, will have heard me rail on about how I don't like it when people are, you know, futzing about on their phones or, or reading, or doing other things behind the wheel other than, you know, operating their vehicle. Um, which puts me in an odd position, whereas deep dives are concerned, because I've either got to do a bunch of studying and memorize a whole bunch of material, or I need to podcast in such a way, time and place, that I can refer to, you know, some sort of reference material. Because um, I'm not going to do it while I'm driving. That's just not safe, and I'm not going to go there. And I'm not going to reiterate that rant. Listen to several other of my podcasts, and you can hear me go on about that. If that's you know the kind of thing that makes you happy to listen to, you know, the middle-aged white man rail on about people using their phones uh, while driving. Um. So, I am going to talk about this album um, from memory as best I can. Um, I may screw up some details. I'm not going to be able get in, to get into as much detail as I would have liked to. Uh, you know, I envisioned, you know, sort of doing this as a, you know, here's the album and here are all the people who were involved, you know, the names of the individual performers and it was engineered here and it came out this year, you know, a bunch of specific, you know, deep divey kind of details that, uh, again, I've not memorized and I'm not going to look up while I'm on the highway. Uh, on the Friday before a three-day weekend, so bear with me. Um, I, I think I think it's still, hopefully, going to be interesting without those details, and I will I will do a little better prep for the artist deep dive. Um, 
The album that I would like to discuss today uh, is the album Raw by the band Utopia. Um, if you are not familiar with Utopia or their Raw album, uh, hopefully this is informative and you will go and check it out as I find it to be quite delightful. Um, if you're familiar with this album, enjoy anyway. Um, and bravo! Not many people that I encounter um, are familiar with Utopia at all, let alone, you know, some of the specifics we've got going here. So you, my friend, are a, are a member of the elite, and I welcome you uh, to, the, to the podcast. A um, little, little background for this album um, as it relates to me personally. Um, the band Utopia is, was formed and fronted uh, by a gentleman called, named Todd Rundgren, um, who many of you may have heard of. He, he had uh, uh, a pretty, pretty long-standing musical career. Um, goes back, you know, 70s, maybe the 60s. Again, this is where the deep dive maybe gets a little sketchy. Uh, but I know at least the 70s, uh, you know, 80s. I remember he came out with a new album at some point in the 90s that my dad got. Um, and I think he's still been putting stuff out. I don't know how recently he has produced things, but he's, he's done quite a bit. Uh, he's a, he's a very creative, uh, person, uh, multi-instrument, uh, playing type person. Um, most folks I imagine have heard, heard of him through his solo career. Uh, but in the late seventies, he put together a little group called Utopia. Um, sort of prog rockish, I would say. Um, it's my understanding that uh, Raw is their third studio album that they recorded, but the second one that they released, um, it turns out that the second album that they recorded was a bit more uh, disco-ish than the label was keen on releasing at the time, and so it sort of got shelved. Um, and they recorded Raw and released that as basically their second album, even though it was the third one they recorded. Did, did you follow all that? It's a little, little squirrely, but that's that's the story there. Um, so raw, raw is is like I said. If I were to pick a genre for it, I, I would put it in in prog rock. Um, you know, and when looking at my resources, you know, checking out all music and so forth, uh, in the you know related or similar um, you know albums or acts, uh, you see a lot of. Asia, uh, Electric Light Orchestra, um, Early Genesis, uh, Super Tramp, a lot of prog rock kind of stuff, um, and I would agree that, you know, this album falls into that, uh, that sort of genre. Um, personally, my first experience with, uh, Utopia and the, the Raw album specifically, um, well, I guess I should clarify, I'm kind of only familiar with this album. Um, like I said, they had another album before it. Um, they've had, they, I think they had a couple afterwards. There've been some, you know, compilations that have come out. I'm really only familiar with the Raw album. Um, and when I say Raw, just so I'm clear, because I realize this isn't written, this is spoken, that's R-A, like the Egyptian sun god, not Raw as in R-A-W, as in uncooked, or some sort of world wrestling entertainment vehicle, uh, R.A. Ra, Sun God. I suppose I should make that make that clear. Um, 
is as I'm hearing myself talk about Raw, I, I, my brain is picking up, you know, vibes of, you know, ground beef, and that's, that's not the, the vibe we're going for here. Um, but anyway, my, my exposure to this goes back to a, when I was a, a itty bitty child. Um, I'm going to say six or seven, uh, because I remember my father playing, um, one of the tracks on this album, um, while he, myself, and my older sister were in the car at the hospital waiting to visit my mom after she gave birth to my little sister, which would have put me at about seven years old. Um, and in the timeline, it would have been around for a while at that point. Like I said, I think this album came out like 78 or 79. Um, and my, my kid sister was born in 81, if memory serves. Um, so it had been around for a little while, but still be, you know, relatively fresh. Um, and the song was fascinating. Um, it's the last track on the album, and I don't want to, you know, get too far ahead of myself. Um, but I guess, spoiler warning, it's Sing Ring in the Glass Guitar. Uh, which is an 18-plus-minute um, song that is an epic fantasy journey, um, battle against the four elements, um, sort of epic quest sort of a thing. Um, and it tells a story, and it's it's fun and entertaining and, and good music. Um, and I, I have, I have a, a very distinct memory of listening to that, uh, you know, on cassette in the car, while we were waiting uh, at the hospital. Again, I, I presume to, you know, wait for visiting hours so I could go, you know, meet my new sister. Um, and really, I remember that, and then it kind of dropped completely off of my radar for years. Um, decades, really. Um, it wasn't until, you know, the internet and MP3s became a thing, uh, specifically in the form of, I can't remember if it was Napster or LimeWire at the time, uh, that I remembered, hey, there was this song that I remember um, with a whole bunch of solos in it that told this cool story, and I wonder if I could find that, and I, through some unknown means by which I was able to Google and find out what it was called, um, I was therefore able to find that song and download it uh, admittedly illegally, uh, and enjoy it. And it was what I thought, and it was every bit as enjoyable now, uh, as it was back then. Um, and it's one of those things that, you know, I like to share wherever possible. Um, if I am, if you are ever in a car with me on a road trip, um, and we have, you know, 19 minutes worth of, of riding to, to go, um, there is never a time that I don't have Sing Ring and the Glass Guitar synced up on my phone, and I will play it to you uh, with almost no provocation whatsoever, because uh, it's just fantastic, um, and everyone should in, in, enjoy and listen to it at least once. Um, it's right up there with uh, Arlo Guthrie's uh, Alice's Restaurant Massacre, um, in that it is a long song that tells a story and is perfect for road trips, and if you've never heard it before, you are in for a treat, um, and it's my job to, to treat you to that. Um, 
as such, um, and as our family tends to go on uh, epic road trips uh, all over this this glorious country uh, to various national parks and camping excursions, etc., um, it gets played fairly often. Um, and uh, so, you know, Abby and the girls have, have had multiple uh, units of exposure uh, to the song. Um, and to the point to where they sometimes will request it, um, which is fantastic. And ultimately, um, and this is where I'm a terrible person with a horrible memory, um, for some gift-giving occasion, I can't remember if it was Father's Day or my birthday or Christmas or what it is, but for some gift-giving occasion, um, they gave me this album on in vinyl. Um, and that was fantastic um, because we still have, uh, a, you know, working record players in the house. Uh, as I think of it, I think we currently have three working turntables in the house right now. Um, two of which work better than the third one, but they still, you can put it on a record album and, and play it and, and enjoy it. Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole, Oh, things sound better on vinyl. Cause I'm not that big of an audiophile to be able to tell the difference. Um, I enjoy the nostalgic feel of playing something on, you know, on a vinyl LP, uh, when possible. Um, and so when I got that, that was fantastic. And I think that was possibly the first time I've ever heard this album in its entirety. Um, prior to that, it was pretty much that one track, uh, which admittedly is like two thirds of side B, uh, of the album. I've heard most of the album through that one track. Um, but I think that was the first time I've ever actually heard the whole album. Um, and I found that I liked it. It's not, you know, that one track is not just an anomaly. It's definitely somewhat different than the rest of what they've got on the album, but the rest of the album's pretty solid. And so, um, and it's a little oddball. It's not something that people would expect me to go on about. Um, so that's why I, I've selected this as my, you know, my topic for today. Um, interesting side note. Uh, like I said, I've got that one out, that one song. I've had that on MP3 forever. Um, I actually had a bit of a hard time trying to find, um, it elsewise because I don't really have the luxury of time and effort to, because I wanted to listen to the album through a couple of times to prepare for this. Um, but actually, you know, dusting off the record player and listening to it, you know, long form that way is enjoyable, but not the most convenient. Um, you, you've got to, you know, set aside a couple of hours to sit in a room listening very specifically. Uh, whereas anything I've got synced up on my phone, I can listen to, you know, out on a walk for lunch on my ride, you know, to and from work, uh, you know, in headphones while I'm futzing around in the yard, whatever. Um, and I eventually did find it, uh, on, on Apple music and paid for it and downloaded it. Um, so, you know, they've, they've gotten their money out of me. This, the, the basis for this podcast is not, you know, built on a foundation of, of stolen music. Um, you know, I paid my 10 bucks. Um, and again, I would encourage, you know, any of you to spend the $10. It is well worth it. Um, anywho, uh, on, on to discussion of the, the actual album, uh, 
itself. Um, and I'm just going to potentially bring up the track listing as I am currently stopped in dead traffic um, so that I can, you know, get at least this part right. Um, the album is, it's now telling me easily that this is from 77, uh, which is a good year. Uh, as far as I can tell, I was two at the time. Seemed like a good year. I didn't have a whole lot of responsibilities or stress at the time, so hooray for that. Um, there are seven tracks. Um, five on side A, two on side B. Um, the first track, Overture, Mountaintop, and Sunrise, slash, uh, communi Communion with the Sun, um, are very thematic. Uh, I guess the, for the most part, the album seems very cohesive. Um, I'm, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it, like, a concept album. Um, but it all fits together very well. Um, and the first track, the opening track, is very thematic. Um, you know, Mountaintop and Sunrise, the first part of that track, is instrumental. It's, it's very sort of epic. Um, and it is very lyrical without having actual lyrics, if that makes sense. It sort of tells a sonic story, even though no one is speaking or singing on it. And you can very easily envision you know, a mountaintop with a sunrise coming up behind it, which, again, is very evocative, you know, of the, the title of the thing being, you know, Ra, sun god, sun-related things. Um, and then, you know, about two or three minutes in, um, it, it blends uh, effortlessly into uh, communion with the sun, uh, which does have lyrics and tells a, tells a nice little uh, piece there. Um, which again is sun related. Um, again, very, very sort of grand sort of sound to it. And again, this is where I am an amateur who, if I knew a bunch of music stuff, I could be throwing out all kinds of words that other musicians would understand. But as a lay person, I'm just going to go with what I've got. Um, and that it is a very big sort of epic sound to the whole thing. Um, it's, it's sort of grandiose and sort of tells tells sort of a sonic story of, you know, hey, the sun has come up and we're all very happy and, and you know, communing with the sun. Um, excellent, excellent song. Very thematic. Um, not much more I can say about that uh, due to vocabulary failure in not knowing much about music. Uh, track two is interesting. Um, it's called Magic Dragon Theater. And it is... It's sort of show tuney, even though it's never actually been in a musical, if that makes sense. Um, it, it evokes a sort of theme and, and sonic quality of what I envision a, a musical production, you know, a musical theater production from the late 70s would be like. Um, and I'm not sure if that's just because, you know, the name of the song is Magic Dragon Theater, and some of the stuff that they're talking about is, you know, come to the Magic Dragon, uh, you know, do you, do you like drama, do you, you, you know, do you like tragedy? Like, the lyrics themselves are about this theater, um, or perhaps the theater company. Uh, it occurs to me that the theater in Magic Dragon Theater is, is T H. 
E-A-T-R-E and not E-R. My experience has generally been if it's theater, E-R, they're talking about the place. If they're talking theater with an R-E, they're talking more about the company that's putting on the, the theatrics. I could be wrong. Again, I'm not a showbiz guy either. Um, but it's all about, hey, we're, you know, there's, we're, we're doing this production, the Magic Dragon Theater. You should all come check it out. Um, and just the way it tells the story and the way the music goes, it, it seems like the kind of thing you would find in a musical. Um, I honestly can't remember if I've discussed this on the podcast before or not. Um, but generally speaking, uh, musical theater is not my thing. Uh, I don't hate musical theater. I don't begrudge people who are in or enjoy musical theater. It's just not my taste. Um, I am not a person who's likely to, you know, sign up to sit to, you know, buy tickets to a, to a, a musical or go to a movie that is a musical. Um, there's just something about, hey, we've got a perfectly good story going on and people are randomly just going to break into song for no good reason. That just sort of disrupts my uh, suspension of disbelief. Um, and I'm just not that into that. Um, that said, I do enjoy this track. It's, it's, a weird, uh, it's a weird sort of dichotomy there that uh, I don't like musicals, but I like this song that is about musicals and sounds like it came from a musical. I can't explain it. It just is what it is. Um, but it's good stuff. Like I said, a little different from the rest of the album. A slight departure there, um, but still an enjoyable track. Uh, I remember the first time I listened to it, I was kind of like, ugh, this sounds like something from a musical. I don't know what I think about this. And after listening to the album through a few times, it sort of grew on me, I guess is, is, uh, is where I'm going. Uh, track three is called Jealousy, and it's it's sort of a it's sort of a rock and roll song um, about jealousy. Um, it's catchy. It's got it's got a good beat. Um, I'm not sure that you could dance to it. I can't dance to much of anything because I'm you know a middle aged white dude. But uh, it's it's a good song. I like it. I, I don't know that I can really plumb into its depths and super dissect it. It's, it's, it's a good rock song. And I, I feel like that's as, really as deep as I need to go on that one. Um, track four is called Eternal Love. And here Utopia sort of dips its toe into the um, ballad pool, if you will. It's got a slow build. It, it you know, comes up and tell, tells, you know, a story of, of the man's eternal love. Uh, you know, for, for his, his mate there. Um, good song. Um, when listening to the album, it, it, it makes sense. It sounds good. It fits into the flow of things. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily a track I would seek towards or, you know, look up specifically to listen to. Um, if it came up on shuffle, it kind of depends what sort of mood I was in. Um, and or what I just listened to um, as to whether or not I would keep it playing or hit skip. Again, not a bad song. Um, listening to the album, it makes good sense and I will absolutely listen to it. But not necessarily an all-purpose song. Um, it's, not, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a club banger as I'm led to believe that the young folks used to say at one point um, if Parks and Rec is to be believed. 
Um, next song, Sunburst Finish, is 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 sort of a prog rocky kind of a kind of a song. Uh, again, fits into the theme, uh, the sun based theme of the album. Um, good stuff. Once again, don't know that I've really got a whole lot to say about that one specifically. Um, other than it's a pretty good, pretty good tune. You know, I give it at least three, three out of five stars. Um, just not much more to say about that. Um, and that concludes sort of side A of Utopia's Raw album. Um, it's at this point where if this was on vinyl, you would flip that bad boy over and reset your needle. Um, which takes us to track six, uh, Hiroshima. And in iTunes, this song is flagged as explicit, uh, which is an oddity um, for songs of that, for albums of that era, as I'm led to, led to believe. Um, I know nowadays it's kind of hard to find anything pop, rap, rock, or otherwise that isn't explicit, uh, just because we we like we like our swearing these days. But back in the late '70s, that didn't so much happen on albums. I'm led to believe. Um, and this is one where they they kind of slid that in. Um, spoiler warning, it's the F-bomb. It gets said, I believe, twice. Um, and that's, that's, that's what we've got going on there for the explicitness. Uh, Hiroshima as a song is interesting and confounding simultaneously. Um, the song itself is... I mean, you say, okay, this song's called Hiroshima. If you say Hiroshima or Hiroshima, however you choose to pronounce it or how it's supposed to be pronounced, uh, when they're singing it, it's Hiroshima. Um, I feel like I should know this having been to Japan. Um, funny thing, when you're in Japan, you tend not to bring up Hiroshima when you're in the United States Navy. Um, just doesn't seem like a good thing to bring up. Um, ditto for Nagasaki. So I may or may not be pronouncing that correctly, and if so, I apologize. Um, in any case, you know, if you're going to write a song about Hiroshima, um, if you ask a random person on the street, hey, here's a song, it's called Hiroshima, what do you think that's about? I would lay good money on most people saying, oh, that's probably about, you know, atom bombs. Seems a fair guess. Um, I'm sure that Hiroshima and Nagasaki are both fine cities nowadays and have, you know, wonderful industry and are known for many things, but I'm pretty sure if you ask the average American Hiroshima, Nagasaki, first thing that comes to your mind, you think about atomic bombs. Um, and as this song is concerned, you would not be incorrect. That That is kind of what it's about. Um, I've listened to it a bunch lately because I've been trying to figure out, okay, that's sort of the topic of the song, but what is the song about? Is this like a, we are very sorry that we did this to you kind of a song? Is this a haha, that's what you get kind of a vibe? Like, where's he going with this? Um, and I'm still not sure. Um, because it, you know, it, it kind of tells the tale of, you know, hey, you know, here are these cities and, you know, we, at the time, were, you know, at war with these folks and we, you know, literally nuked them and, you know, but it's not, it's not very strongly pro 
nuclear action on um, Japan, but it's not exceedingly apologetic either. It's 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 its own sort of thing, um, and I'm not sure if I'm you know going to delve into the land of being pretentious if I say perhaps the artist was leaving that for us to judge and that this was an intentional situation. Um, or if it's just that I'm dense and I'm not getting it, I don't know. Um, musically, it's a pretty good song. Uh, thematically, uh, like I said, with, with the rest of the album, it, it makes sense. Um, I don't know that this is the kind of, you know, summer jam I'm going to, you know, roll down the windows and crank as I'm, you know, crank out loud as I'm cruising through, you know, the neighborhood either. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave that as that is. And, you know, I'll leave that to you to listen to, um, and draw your own conclusions. Um, which eventually takes us to track seven. Uh, to me, the gem of the album, mainly the reason to get the album. And that is singing in the glass guitar subtitle and electrified fairy tale. Um, which is exactly what it is. Uh, it even starts off with, you know, this is an electrified fairy tale. If you've never heard of an electrified fairy tale, imagine, you know, wee tiny fairies with little electric guitars. Uh, which is why in our car, when we're on road trips, uh, the girls, when requesting this, uh, don't ask for singering in the glass guitar. They ask for tiny metal guitars. Um, to them, that's the title of the thing which is cute, and we all know what it means, and it's fine. Um, like I said, it's like darn near 19 minutes long, um, and it tells the story of uh, a land called Harmony, uh, where jealous forces have captured the muse Singring and trapped her in a glass guitar. Uh, and so, you know, the, the heroes of the land band together to search the, search the earth for the four keys that will unlock, uh, the chest containing the glass guitar so that they can free, you know, the spirit and, uh, bring joy back to the land of harmony. Um, and this is all presented, you know, as a, as a delightful sort of prog rock sort of, sort of, uh, folksy kind of song. Um, and for each of the keys, you know, each brave adventurer, um, tackles a different element. Um, and each of those elements is represented in the song by, um, a solo instrumental, um, so the, um, the first one I believe is, you know, the brave adventurer gets to the water's edge, uh, and needs to, you know, dive into the river, into the bottomless pool to, to capture the first, the first key. And this is performed as a drum solo. Um, and through use of the cymbals and, and various other percussion instruments, they manage to make it sound like you're in the water. You know, with the crashing of the cymbals is kind of like the, the crashing of the waves, uh, you know, tinkling on some, uh, you know, xylophone type things gives sort of a bubbly kind of effect 
Um, and so it's very easy to imagine, you know, their their journey and struggle in the waters to to you know to gain access to the first key. Uh, the second key, you know, takes takes them to the to the desert, uh, and that brave adventurer, you know, is fighting against the forces of wind. Um, which is, you know, performed as a bass solo. And again, sort of the, the way that the bass is played, sort of the, the rhythm and the, the, the beats and the, the melodies that are played on the bass give you a very heavy, heaving wind sort of audio situation uh, that's very, very convincing and good. Um, the, the third one is they, you know, go into the Forest of Flame uh, and face the fire breathing dragon, which is a uh, keyboards and synth synthesizer uh, solo. And you know, you can, it starts off slow and slowly gets to a rapid pace to where you can, you know, feel the, the tension of running through the forest that's on fire. Um, and they work in some synthesized, you know, dragon growling noises. And you can, you can very easily envision the battle um, that's going on there. Uh, until finally they go for the fourth key. Um, you know, we've already hit, you know, water, air, and fire. Of course, this is earth. Um, and so there's a guitar solo as the, uh, fourth adventurer climbs up a mountain, um, getting to the top of the mountain and finding no key. They start, you know, chopping into the, the mountain with their pickaxe, which is another guitar solo, like one of them is kind of like a rhythm guitar sort of a thing, and the other is more of a lead guitar sort of guitar solo. Um, and then at the tail end, they all have their keys and they march triumphantly back in and it, you know, plays some more of the song. Like I said, it's 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 very it's very well done in that it tells a a, a good story, you know, through the lyrics and the in the song itself. Um, I find it particularly enjoyable that, you know, each separate element uh, is represented by, you know, a particular, um, musical instrument and, and a, you know, an instrumental solo by that instrument and they've matched them up very well. Um, it's very convincing. You can close your eyes and see things happening, even though it's a drum solo. <laughs> like I said, you feel like you're with the guy, you know, underwater doing, doing his thing. Um, and then, like I said, he clearly left a mark on me as, as a young person. Um, and this was even long, long before I was into Dungeons and Dragons, um, and sci-fi and fantasy per se. Um, I'm not going to say that this song lit that fuse. Um, although maybe, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it was a very, it was a very fun song for a young Todd that still resonates today perhaps even more so because I've since gotten into, you know, sci-fi and fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons and, and, you know, swords and sorcery kind of stuff. It match meshes well with that sort of, uh, interest and aesthetic that I've got going on. Um, like I said, I've played it for the family. None of them are particularly swords and sorcery type folk and they, they very much enjoy it as well. Um, and I highly recommend it to all. Um, not just that song, but again, the whole album is, is pretty fantastic in my opinion. Um, and I would suggest it, you know, for anyone really. Um, 
I'm really not sure what else there is that I could say uh, as regards to the album. Um, I feel like trying to describe the album cover to you seems a little weird. Um, basically, it's a big yellow-orange sun rising behind a mountain. Um, there's really not much more for me to say there. Um, like I said, had I not been behind the wheel, I could tell you, you know, yes, Todd Rundgren is the main guy in this band, but here are the names of the other people. I don't remember them, and I apologize to the, uh, the band Utopia for not knowing everyone else's names. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of real useful trivia um, or anything else on this, other than to say, highly rated by Todd. I, I definitely uh, recommend you, you give it a listen. Um, through iTunes or Spotify or <clears throat> what have you. Again, it's sort of an obscure pick. It's sort of a deep cut type situation uh, to where I'm not sure how easily you'll be able to find some of these outside of going and, you know, buying the album. Um, I did get on YouTube and there is a video of them performing Singering in the Glass Guitar Live, which is pretty good. Um, I kind of prefer the actual album version uh, myself. Um, but if that's all you can find, you can still check that out. I think that that gets the idea across. Um, it's good stuff. And now that I've rattled on for about 40 minutes or so on the topic and I'm getting ever close to home, uh, I feel like that, that, that covers what we need to do uh, for the deep dive on the album Raw by the band Utopia from 1977. Um, again, I still owe good folks, a deep dive on an artist, uh, which will probably not be Utopia or Todd Rundgren, um, cause I've already talked about them and I want to switch it up for you. Uh, oh, interesting footnote. Uh, Todd Rundgren, as I understand it, is the guy I was named after. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. I meant to, uh, yeah. When, uh, when I was a young, young fella, <clears throat> You know, because there are no Todds in our family. Like, that's not like my grandfather or my uncle or my great whatever's name. Todd is kind of, a, it, it's an outlier in amongst the, the Herseys. Um, and I remember asking, what, hey, Mom, why, where'd you guys get Todd? How, how'd that come about? What's that about? Um, <clears throat> and I was told that I was, you know, I was named after your, you know, your, your father's, uh, one of his favorite performers, Todd Rundgren. He's got a bunch of albums in there. She talked to your dad about that, and I asked him, he's like, yeah, yeah, I was really into Todd Rundgren at the time. I like the name, so here you go. Um, which which I, I can get behind. Like like I said, I've not heard a whole lot of his stuff. You, you'd think I might have, given that he's my, you know, I'm his namesake, or he's my namesake. Whatever it is, given that I've gotten my name from him, you'd think I'd be, you know, all about him, or at least very familiar with his work, uh, which is strangely not the case outside of this, this album. Um... I don't know if it's interesting, but additional side note as relates to my name and or names and how I got them. Uh, so I got my first name from, you know, named after Todd Rundgren, uh, rock and roll guy from dad, which makes perfect sense because dad was a drummer and a rock and roll guy. And of course he would name me Todd and I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I asked my mom where, I, where my middle name came from because again, that was a name that wasn't there weren't too many, uh, of them in the family. 
and she told me um, that I can't remember which soap opera because at the time she was she she had a rotation of like three or four throughout the day that she would watch. Uh, I can't remember from which soap opera, um, but it's not even the name of the actor. It's the name of one of the characters on one of the soap operas. And she liked the sound of the name, and so that's why she went with it. Uh, which is considerably less um, exciting and meaningful, in my estimation. Um, but there you have it. It's fine. I'm, I'm good with it. Um, my middle name is... is peachy keen and good to go and I, I have no complaints it's not like she named me something you know weird it's not like my middle name is you know astroturf or something goofy like that it's a perfectly fine name uh it's just weird that it's on account of some random soap opera character um but that's fine uh it doesn't really impact my daily life and in fact it's not a thing I've even thought about until just now uh, probably for years so it's all good um, but all that to say, I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. Um, I have yet to determine what artist I'm going to deep dive on. Um, but I intend to get a little more, uh, you know, actual facts and figures and stats and notes. Um, and I, again, will either not podcast behind the wheel or will maybe see if I can't work out some sort of cheat sheet to like tape to the dashboard so it's not super distracting but yet I have the info uh, or I'm going to have to pretend like I was in high school and just memorize a bunch of you know what is essentially meaningless information that I will then you know purge from my brain moments after I record this uh, much like I used to um, for dates and names and social studies right after the right after we took the test uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, hopefully I'll get that put together and out there to you here before too terribly long. Um, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed, uh, my telling of the, the glorious Utopia album, um, that I've just, uh, discussed. And, um, if you found this interesting, um, hooray. Uh, if you hated it, I'm sorry. Uh, either way, if you want to let me know what you feel about this or any other topics, like I said, you can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can shoot me an email at uh, toddcastpodcast at gmail.com. Again, the Todd there has a single D. Um, if you're on the Anchor app, you can leave me a voice message. Um, frankly, if you have the Anchor app and you want to be a guest person on the podcast, we can make that happen. Reach out and let me know. Uh, frankly, if you don't have the Anchor app and want to be a guest person on the show, I'm willing to entertain it. We're just going to have to work out the logistics and how we're going to record things. Um, you know, if you like what you're hearing, um, let folks know. Um, I believe the Toddcast is available on just about every platform that you can find. Um, Apple Podcasts, uh, there's a thing called Podcoin that pays you to listen give that a whirl. I'm currently a bonus podcast on that, uh, giving you extra, extra credit. Um, I believe, um, various family members listen to me on a thing called Overcast. I think Spotify, like there, I'm all over the place. Um, you know, subscribe on any of those, um, leave, you know, constructive commentary, um, and reviews, uh, wherever you'd like to do so. Um, 
you know, spread the word. We'll see. We'll see who can, who we can get listening and who will like it. And I'll I'll keep cranking them out. Um, until next time. Again, thank you for joining me, and I hope that uh, you all have a good one. And that's it.